Hey guys, and welcome to the first episode of This Organized Podcast, and I am your host, Jerome Bruce. I am joined today by my co-host, Kimar Gibbons. Hey everyone. And today's episode basically is going to be an introductory one where you get to know a bit about my co-host and I. Today we're joined by a very special guest, Nick. Hey everyone. And I just want to say, Nick, thank you so much for being able to join us today on our first official episode. And to those listening, I just hope that you enjoy what we have in store. Okay, so now we're going to have Nick and both Kimar and myself some questions, not only about the podcast, but also about ourselves. Well, that's my cue. So, guys, shoot away. Tell me about yourselves, um, podcasts, what you guys hope to achieve. So, who's going to go first? Jay's going to go first. Okay. Um, okay, so do you want me to start about myself? Yeah. Okay, so a bit about me. First off, uh, my name is Jerome Brooms. I am 22 years of age. Um, I'm a makeup artist. I'm a creative I, I'm a singer, I'm a songwriter, um, my goals for the podcast, basically, uh, the reason why I wanted to start a podcast to begin with was I wanted to be able to create a platform that I could, you know, be very inclusive with in terms of inviting other creatives to maybe talk about certain topics that was happening within our community as creatives or maybe even stuff that was happening in what people could consider to be the real world whether it be political issues or otherwise and uh, I don't know the thought of being able to give a voice to people who aren't usually heard for me was I don't know, empowering, I guess. What about you, Kimar? Well, for me, my um, thought, the first thing that popped in my head, when Jay approached me with the idea of doing a podcast, was that it could be an opportunity for me to get my thoughts out there, as it were. Um, I'm also a creative. Um, My medium is poetry. And the thing about when you're a writer or even a poet is that you don't always have or just, you don't always choose a, a direct um, method of translating your thoughts. So I figured this would be an opportunity to <clears throat> be direct and to, to speak my mind, as it were. But I think the most important thing for me uh, when it comes to this podcast is communication. It's really important that people like us, creatives, young creatives, have a place or a space or just an opportunity to speak on issues that we have strong feelings about. There are other places that we might not feel as welcome to do so. So I figured why not add some place where that is possible. We can speak about anything on anyone and be safe to do so. I think that's really empowering. That's something that's important to have. Not just for us, but for anyone else that does what we do.
So I had asked both Kimar and Nick to post a question on their Instagram stories about topics that people would like us to cover on our podcast. And Nick is going to read one of our first questions that we will discuss. So here I have quality over popularity. Quality over popularity. That's an interesting topic. What's your take on it? Um, yeah, it is interesting because there's a lot you can apply that to, especially with the goings on in our society for creatives right now. Um, when you, well, you're the one, the question was posed to next, so I guess we should ask you, when you hear quality over popularity or whichever iteration of the question you want to tackle, what does it mean to you? What do you think about that? Um, for me, this is a, a double-edged sword, really, um, because it fluctuates both ways. Um, quality does not necessarily equate to popularity, and popularity does not necessarily equate to quality. But each can lean into the other once certain aspects of the other is properly addressed and amended to. Um, especially it relates to people that use uh, Instagram as a social media forum or as a business forum or that use um, Facebook or whatever means they use to put their business out in terms of what they do creatively or whatever platforms or social media personalities they're currently working with. Um, because truth be told, quality does not always start off perfect the first time. And in most cases, some people may not have the popularity needed to help push the actual um, program, but they work at it. So quality eventually then equates over time to a rise in popularity. Some people have a very, very known name. They're, they're already out there. They're established among communities, peoples, the social media platforms. So when they create content, that popularity is already there. So the quality might not be there, but the popularity already boosts what they're already trying to do and that helps to push them further. Over time, that quality can be improved or based on their commitment, that might not always be the case. So I feel double-edged sword in this aspect, being a creative myself who started off with not as much quality as I would like, not as much popularity as I would like. Um, and this is me being completely honest, but I found working over time, I would probably focus more on quality. Quality content eventually builds on its own. Uh, popularity, truth be told, can only go so far because you can be popular, but eventually, if your content is of a certain quality, you can only push it so far. Do you think that, um, especially in your experience as a creative, have you found that popularity can be daunting to newcomers or that popularity can sometimes overshadow the priorities of creatives. Do you think that the pursuit of popularity, the pursuit of having your name spoken on everyone's lips, as it were, can sometimes overshadow the quality of the art that you see coming out of Barbados now? Because I will admit that I, I kind of lived under a rock as it comes to the, crea the creative scene um, in Barbados and I want to know if, because you know, when I, what I hear on the radio, what I hear, you know, at the, at the um, spoken word events, at the open mic events, I want to know, as someone who is a part of it, who who lives it, really, I want to know: Do you think that the pursuit of popularity, quote unquote, the pursuit of being seen and being heard, especially here, where creatives are not seen and heard, real creatives, 
made that distinction early on. Real creatives, the, the people who live and breathe their art. Do you think that they find it daunting or that they find it is almost like a, uh, an impossible decision where they have to sacrifice the quality of their work in order to meet the market as it were, to be popular? Um, I will answer this question first by um, introducing myself to the audience properly. Um, my net, as I said earlier, my name is Nick. I am a content creator in terms of the art. So I do both modeling and poetry and I use my platform to create diasporic art. So that's basically me in a nutshell. Um, like you said, I am both a poet as well. I would say to that question, yes and definitely. And here's why. Um, he, as it relates to Barbados, you would find truth be told, harsh as it might be for some to realize, popularity always trumps quality 70% of the time in the market. Because if your faith is already known and I'm trying to market a product, it's easier to put that faith to that product than to put someone else who's now rising that may not have the quality or popularity that I'm looking for. The person might have the popularity you're looking for to market, but even if they don't have the quality, like I said earlier, you've already been established, your name is out there, you walk on the street, people see you, they know you, they shake your hand, they be like, oh, you're cool, man. Like, I see your face like, all over Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So, yes, it is a struggle, especially for rising artists, because I might have the quality and as a person that... I choose to cater to an international market as a poet and as a model and as an artist. Um, on an international market, I'm seeing people appreciate the quality of what I try to produce. But here on the island, it's an absolute struggle because I don't have that, that titles per se affixed to my person. So it's a bit harder to, to achieve um, a lot of the goals I would like to push forward when it comes to working with other creatives. Um, so for the average creative now who's trying to immerse themselves completely in their work, who is devoting who's uh, for lack of a better explanation they've quit their nine to five they now live and breathe mm. their craft as you so incorrectly put it for them to now reach out into that market where the more established artists the more popular artists would be seen first it's basically like you're trying to be a first-time singer and you go for a gig you walk into that gig and you see lady gaga beyonce and gigi farrier mm. like you you just saw three famous people whose names are already out they're already like in your mind, it's been clicking, like you're probably not gonna make it. And that's also a hurdle no, that needs to be overcome. You know you have the quality, but these people already have established names and brands. So not in your mind, you've realized it's incredibly more difficult. So you don't have to work and push for that extra mile in hopes that you might be that person selected to work within that creative industry. What that brings me to another question now is, what implications do you think that has for the culture? Because we are our culture. People go about their lives and they don't realize it. But the artists, the singers, the poets, the, the, we are the culture. We are Barbados. And so what I want is, what does that mean for the quality of our culture at large? Because what is popular may not be what is, and forgive me for saying this, good. Popularity doesn't always equal quality as we this already is true. as we already established so yeah what the things that are playing on the airwaves the things that are getting the ear time yeah it could be and forgive me for this ass complete utter ass and yet it's getting the time so what is what implications does that have for the culture i mean the answer might seem obvious but i want to hear from it someone it, like you. it would be i will answer this 
um, from both a business perspective and a creative perspective. From the business perspective, I would say I understand most large-scale industries, most of the heads of the organizations here uh, that pertains to the creative industry in Barbados. And I understand because at the end of the day, when you're trying to market, you still need what you want to sell. Mm -hmm. If, uh, for example, Jay is at the pinnacle of makeup here in Barbados, and I personally feel that by the way, let me just point that out. Um, if you need something marketed for a campaign, whether it be somebody applying mascara, makeup, and his brand have that popularity among the people, we're not going to go to you who just came out into the industry who's trying to apply lip gloss. You might have the right. quality, but I want my stuff to sell. I want my models to look good on the runway. I want the product to be seen on the market. People are like, oh, him, I'll take that. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they're looking for at the end of the day. Yeah. Now, from a creative standpoint, I will say immediately that is not always a good thing. And here's why. Eventually, after you've milked your cash cow for so much, that well is eventually going to run dry because of a certain level of monotony that is not associated with it. There is no diversification in your marketing. There's no creativity induced. There's no introduction of new and for, um, as the young people say, new hit ways of, of introducing other creatives into the industry and into the market. If I see Jay's face enough as a person on the market buying stuff, eventually, even as a high-strung fan, I'm going to be tired of seeing his face after a while. Yeah. And that's the truth of it. Because most industries don't see it that way. A business may last for three years and then suddenly flop. And they're confused as to why. Because they have not realized that they need to induce and create and introduce uh, other creatives, other people in the market who might add that diversity and that unrequited flair that they may have been missing to help push themselves further into the market. So by choosing not to work with you within those three years, because you are now starting to do makeup. I know you have the quality. I can see it. I'm in denial, but I can see it. And I chose to work with Jay because Jay's faith is out there. That will push me for my three years. And like I said before, at one point, the business might just do this and flop. Mm -hmm. And you might not ever get back on your feet. As an established business, you might go bankrupt. The stock falls. The market goes into ruin. And you're like, what is going on? Now... As a country where we have such a diverse array of creatives who find, even if they're in a similar market, doing the exact same thing, the most unique and creative ways of putting it forward. I think that is an aspect of our culture that a lot of the heads miss out on. Mm -hmm. And as a result, there is a stagnancy in the creative market here that has not been properly addressed. It's being addressed, but very, very minimalistic in its approach. Like, they're seeing small hints and subtle hints. So, I would say, give it time, or we as the creatives in the industry need to go and knock the door off its hinges and tell them, yeah, we here, this is what we're selling, like it, love it, eat it, what can happen? I mean, first of all, that, that no jummy. Uh, <laughs> that no jummy. Um, yeah, because... If I didn't know better, and a year ago, I didn't, a year ago I didn't go to open mics, I didn't talk to creators my age, a year ago, even though I was writing, I've been writing poetry since I was 12 years old, I didn't meet with other people who were like me, and a year ago I started doing that, and I realized that there is so much talent, but if I didn't know better, as most people probably don't, you turn on the radio, you switch through three, four stations, they're all playing the same thing. There's no vari there's no variation. And you know what? 
we know that these corporations and the radio stations, they heard it for money, the bottom line is most important to them. I get that. But, you know, I, I go to these events, and mind you, there are actually a lot more events that are free where young creators come out and actually show their work than people know of, which is another problem. Um, and, and I hear these singers, and I see these poets, I see these, these rappers, these spoken word artists, that I didn't have, I had no idea they even shared this country with me. And they go up on that stage and they do incredible work. And then I, I'm on the van going home from that event. And the only thing I can hear on the radio is rah, 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 rah. That's really how it sounds. That's not the point of anybody. I get it. It's hip. It's cool. It gets you moving in the parties. I understand. But, you know, we do have real art to showcase. And yet, whenever there's a big event, you know, you know NIFCA and the Minister of Culture or whatever comes out, and says, oh, we need to take care of our creatives. We need, we have culture to show off. Tourism this, tourism that. We have a lot to offer. And you're not offering it. And that, I can see why that would be daunting to anyone who even considers taking their craft seriously. Because BCC has our programs running. Artists going in, artists coming out. I know a few of them. And they're looking around looking for that safety net and they don't find it because our radio stations aren't interested people barely watch cbc anymore anyway what can we do you said we need to knock the, the hinges off the door which doors do we knock on because not all doors leave places let's be real where, where do we go where do we take our flight how do we carve out a space for us and for people like us to make it a possibility. Um, I can start by saying that you mentioned something very important and that is as it relates to tourism. I find because the country maintains an, an inert focus on the tourism industry that 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 creative culture that could expand upon mm -hmm. feels and sometimes is very limited because a lot of the creative segments aim specifically to maintain the market for tourism and it doesn't seem to expand any further because of that 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 also might also be a high contributing factor to the stagnancy that i have mentioned so as a result that safety net that you're talking about is never going to be there because there is no standard for them to look far to in the market outside of pleasing the average visitor to the island that might be here for three to four weeks so there is no stable market for them to produce their art to take it to the next level there is no international standard that they can reach out to there is no and if there is a standard it's either based on who was set there before us from like the days that before we were even thought about people like um the mighty gabby red plastic by those people who were there while the tourism industry was being established who had already in doing so created names for themselves and this is not me taking a shot at anyone this is just me giving uh, examples of names who would have been in the market, the creative industry yeah. for far longer. People like our, our now um, Minister of Culture, uh, John King, who was also an artist in the creative segment uh, for more than uh, 30 years, uh, who himself um, I've had conversations with. And we've discussed things like this, to be honest, um, how the industry needs to expand uh, and evolve. Um, speaking as a person that has been in the arts since the age of five, I can say it's been very difficult. Um, I wrote my first manuscript when I was five. I have 
been featured on Time to Sing between the years of 1997 to 1999. And I'm quite sing. sure a <laughs> lot of young individuals listening might not even know what that is. Oh, uh, I had the privilege and honor um, while I was at my primary school to be the choir who was chosen to sing at the official unveiling of our honorable hero, Sagarfield Sobers, when the statue was first lifted in 2002, which is more than 18 years ago. Um, well, a bit longer for me, but <laughs> I know, right? Um, so growing up in the industry, and like you, I was not aware of a lot of creators on the industry. I came back out after um, forsaking my creative side of myself I'm, you know, working at 9 to 5, so when I came back into the creative segment of things, I had just gotten introduced to Beat Freaks, who is now known as Frenetic Arts. I had just met poets from BCC, UE, and the, the multitude of it. And I, I was like, people actually write poetry? Okay, clearly yeah, I have been living under a rock. That's a thing that happens. <laughs> um, I got introduced to artists such as Sam, uh, Sam Rock MC, who does... Um, open mic nights, Ryan Minister, who now is the host of something called Nameless Bar and Open Mic. Um, I got to introduce myself to artists such as Mahalia Cummins. I got to meet Chian, uh, people like Lee, uh, Lexi Music. I got to meet an array of amazing artists. So, now that I have returned to the industry, and I think I only returned to modeling when I was 27, 28, yeah, 26, 27, sorry. Um, so then when I had returned to the industry now fully, when I had retired, well not retired, but exempt myself from the average 9 to 5, I realized that there was a lot that needed to be changed. There was a lot of stagnancy that was still present and needed to be addressed. Mm -hmm. So I feel like tackling how we view the creatives in terms of how we just aim particularly for just the tourism industry, um, that is a hurdle that needs to be addressed because when you travel anywhere... Um, I will give an example. In New York alone, the creative industry is responsible for more than $2.8 billion of their income. And that's just one state out of many. And that's the creative segment of that state. Mm -hmm. So, And that's a standard. And we don't have that here. If we were to currently accumulate what the creative industry here in Barbados is capable of bringing in for the country harsh reality is that's going to be very very limited and it's going to look like we're not doing much when truth be told there are some of us and i do say some with meaning some of us who are actually working blood sweat and tears trying to overcome a hell and high water only to be told well there's no market here and that ends up with the ever requited brain dream that we hear so often of all people talking about where creators get sick of being on the island mm -hmm. with their craft and then they decide they're going to permanently leave the country, taking that talent with them to a place where the art is more appreciated, where the market is more sustainable because it's just not here. Period. Okay, so um, as you were saying, you know, about brain drain and uh, about creatives being responsible for a lot of the income, etc. Um, do you believe that if we as creatives banded together and maybe formed a union of such? Because one thing is to be able to say, um, you know, like, government, etc. doesn't necessarily recognize us as creatives. But then another thing that Kimar had mentioned earlier is that as a creative, a lot of other creatives aren't aware of the fact that there are some people there doing things, such as frenetic arts. Like, it's only until... 
I would have met you, really, that I started to find out about things like, you know, open mics where it was less about singing and more about poetry and spoken word, etc. Before meeting you, I never knew that existed. The most I knew about was open mics probably at Hilton, as you mentioned, where there would be people probably singing and that was pretty much it. Um, I find as a creative, not only as a singer and songwriter, but as a makeup artist as well, we don't band together very often. And when we do, it's not necessarily as a collective, but it's very cliquey. So it's more of who you know, rather than we're all sharing our craft, we're all growing together, so we're all going to progress together. Probably if we banded together, maybe if we had a union, it could be a case where for a creative going to perform, with that union, they would have a set rate saying, okay, well, you know what? We're going to look out for our own. And if they come to perform for you, this is what this is what we're looking for. This is what we expect. This is how they should be treated. This is what they should be paid. But you see, here's the thing about unions is people, at least in my um, observations, people are very wary of unions. Because of the fact that blacklisting, correct. If you okay, and, and it does happen. It's a real thing. I mean, it I is agree. a real thing. But then, if you think about the fact that okay, blacklisting really only works because they're gonna tell you, okay, we probably won't call you to do this or won't call you to do that. But if you look at it and listen to what we're actually saying, they kind of already don't call you for anything. Mm-hmm. If they're going to go through a list of people to call to perform an event. Your name is at the bottom of that list. They're probably not going to reach it. Okay, well, let me let me play devil's advocate. I I I used to know the um, Latin translation translation for that devil's advocate. Um, someone could probably tell me. There's a Latin translation for it. The Catholic Church uses it when someone is supposed to come forward to tell you why someone shouldn't be a saint. You, you, they're called the devil's advocate. Oh, okay. fair enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. More, uh, something the other. Anyway, um, what about those who may say? that art, creativity, and as an extension, creatives should be kept separate, as, as, as separate as possible from bureaucracy. Because that is, that is technically what... I personally have no problem with that, but I'd first like to address Jay's point in terms of union. The first thing we would have to do, outside of appealing to the government for said union, is disrupt this very strong ego that most creatives have that yes. divide us into those cliques that you just exactly. mentioned. Yeah. Because I find sure. that a lot of creatives have the potential to work well together and as a person who has tried to bring people together to work on multiple projects, I find that people's very strong egos disrupt what could be a lot of beautiful creative processes. Period. As a result, you have people that are divided here, you have a clique of artists here, a clique of artists here, some recording artists here, some recording artists here. And I, at the back of my mind, it personally makes no sense. I understand human beings and why that is, but as a creative, I don't see the need why there should be segregated groups of people doing the exact same thing. Exactly. When truth be told, we are all struggling artists. And I know people don't like to hear the term, but please get used to it while I'm here. We are. We are. <laughs> get very used to it. As a group of struggling artists, I should not have to enter a room of dancers and i understand it's a business at the end of the day all you need to do is keep it strictly professional but at the end of the day you're both dancers you're a team of dancers i see no reason why you should be in one click standing all having a conversation about 
that's um, dance group B and dance group B is sitting in, the, uh, in another clique by themselves having a shady conversation about group A at the end of the day when when a situation occurs and you both want to see yourselves on stage you both want to make it one might not get through the other I understand that that's business but I believe as a creative science we should all be working within our respective groups of whatever the profession is that we're currently in and working to see how we can improve that for right. every participant that's within the craft for the industry and the market as it is. Yeah, because another thing would be that I believe if you are going to do a union, it should probably be a union, you know, for creatives by creatives. And as cliche as that sounds, it's probably best because at the end of the day, you're going to feel more comfortable knowing that this is in the hands of someone that shares the same passion as you, the same drive as you, then it's also going to encourage other creatives then to probably join because they're saying, okay, you know what? There are people within this union that can mentor me, that can teach me, that I can learn things from. And that's another thing. There are people, myself included, when I first started doing makeup, um, it was very, it was scary because it was like, I would look out, I would see all these people that were established, as Nick was saying, you know, when you establish yourself and your brand, etc. And just like, okay, me, I'm small and basically a nobody. So, the thought of having to reach out to those people who seem so above me to answer for help or to answer question about something was terrifying. As a creative, it's the same thing. When I started songwriting, it was like, I don't know where to look, where to turn, who I can ask about, you know, maybe some tips on songwriting or even in terms of singing, etc. Um, I went to a workshop, it was an NCF workshop on songwriting and performing and it was only due to this workshop that I actually realized, okay, you know what, there are a lot of people like myself that you know, our songwriters and their singers, whatever the case may be, they may not be very well known. Mm -hmm. They may all have their different reasons for doing it, but there are people out here doing it. Individuals doing things their own way. I feel like with a union, it would probably bring us a lot closer as creatives and it could get us one step closer to actually getting things done, being seen and being heard. Because it's okay for one person to step forward and be like, oh, we need to move in this direction. But if they don't have, you know, that support, that backing, mm -hmm. it's just one person. And you can't expect for one person to carry the weight of everyone else. We would need, we would need I think, the bigger names as well. I think the reality of things is that we have a lot of talent, a lot of young talent, but if we can get a lot of the bigger names to come in and say, hey, we support these artists, and they do. I listen to the interviews sometimes, and I know they do, they do support, but we want, you to, well, we want if, if there's a union or an advocacy group, if you want to fast it up, advocacy group that, <laughs> that, that, you know, that has the weight that can say, if you want this creative at your event, here yeah. are my, here are our terms. Yep. Because you cannot bring this. You can't have an event in the middle of town, and then this creative coming from Saint Philip, and you 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 don't want to get the person ready, man. You, you don't you you don't want to take care of the transportation. You don't want to give them the right the proper space backstage. You don't want to pay them enough for it to even be worth it. And then you expect to turn to that creative and say, oh. 
exposure is enough. Oh, listen. If we're going to get into the tea. No, I mean, no, 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 we're, no, we're coming down to the wire on time. And I know I just opened a, a, a can of worms. Listen, I know I've opened a can, but. See, that's another say, thing. That's it. That is something else that I think a union would really help with because it's the same thing as having a manager, basically. As a creative, if you have a manager, that's basically someone that can filter out that stuff for you that lets you know, okay, well, you know what? This is actually going to get you exposure that will be beneficial to you in the long run mm-hmm. and it's going to help your brand, it's going to help you. Then there are others where, you know, if you don't necessarily have that support behind you, you don't have a manager, whatever the case may be, and someone's just telling you, you know what, this is going to get you exposure. All you need to do is just come, bring all of your things, just do whatever, and go home. And we'll post your stuff, hopefully. Hopefully. If we get pictures or videos, we'll post it. And then there are times where you can come, you can perform for people, and nothing happens. Your following doesn't grow. Nobody knows you. If you tell someone you perform, they're completely clueless as to what you're talking about. Because whether it be that they didn't hear about the event, they came to the event, they didn't see you. Or they saw you and weren't aware of who you were. Exactly. It's just a whole bunch of factors that I believe having a union, or even if it's not like a union, if it's not as formal as a union, but it is a bunch of creative that you know they're dropping that rock in the pond creating those ripples Ripples. yeah Yeah. that's all that matters as long as a conversation gets started that's the most important thing i think the conversation has been started i think we need to speak longer i've also enjoyed how this conversation started with quality over popularity and like i said at the beginning it's something that can stem into multiple conversations i like how we cover a vast array of topics in between it because all of this Um, but back to statement that you said see that expo but that exposure bit is a heavy heavy weight because it works both ways and i said because it goes along with another word collaboration Mm -hmm. which is something a lot of people don't like to hear of or do because that usually equates to no pay Mm -hmm. but that goes back to what i was saying again about creatives learning to work together isn't it funny that you know, a creative will shy away from collaborating for free with another creative to benefit both of their businesses, but yet will go to an event and perform for free and go home thinking that exposure is going to pay the bills. Child. I think that's that short sightedness that we need to get rid of. I think well. it is the very definition of irony. <laughs> Painfully so. Horribly so. But I think we're just about out of time. Guys, just this is. About, just about. Just about. <laughs> So guys, my name is Nat once again. Thank you guys for tuning in. And thank you to our hosts, Kimar and Jay, for having me. You're very, very welcome. You're most welcome. Hey, we're going to have you again because this is the energy that we've been looking for. Yes. <laughs> thank you. I just want to say thank you so much, Nat, for joining us. You're most welcome. And I want to thank those of our listeners who stayed until the very end. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I am your host, Jerome Brooms. And I am your co-host, Kimar Gibbons. And thank you so much for joining us on this organized podcast. Until next time, when we discuss mental health awareness. Join us next week, Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Good day. And good night.